<laughs> By the way, that's the sound they started the episode. <laughs> We're back. We're back. We took a week off. I was under the weather. But you're above the weather now. Yes, I am above <laughs> the weather now. You're uber weather. <laughs> Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including Murders, Mayhem, and Loonies, and everything else we love this week. Murdoch Mysteries, Episode 7, Season 1, Body Double. I am Mark. I'm Sarah. Is there a movie called Body Double? Yes, there is. It's really different than this. Oh, by yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's sexy, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. Actually, in in Strangely, and in the things that I know, it's a Brian De Palma movie, and it has... Frankie goes to Hollywood in it, first of all, which is weird. Like the band is in the movie? Yes, they filmed the video for the video for the song while they're filming the movie. Okay, I have to tell you guys, you're listening to this. This is not in our notes. I just happened to off the top of my head remember this. So Mark is doing all this out of his brain. He's not reading this from notes. Wow. Okay. Well, I know easily 20 minutes on this movie. Okay, let's not go there. So one thing funny that happened while we were on our break is that New episodes of Murdoch released on Acorn. Yes. So we're, and we're not going to talk about the plots or anything, nope. give anything away, but we're watching them and I'm like, man, everybody looks really old, like wrinkled and shriveled and like George, old. Is, George has the, the has, wrinkles around his eyes. Yeah. He's got crow's feet. He's got crab's feet. And <laughs> I'm like, why does everybody, I'm thought, is it filmed in like, 7K, so we can see more detail than we... And then we both realize it's because we've been watching season one episodes Mm. where everybody's young and spry. So yeah, of course, Yeah. 17 seasons later, they look a little older. I have changed in 17 years. (laughs) But until we thought of that, I was like... Why does everybody look so ancient? Though I would say that Helena Joy looks pretty much the exact same. Yeah, yeah. She, her face changed just a little bit because she was pregnant. Yeah. But then, no, I mean, she looks great. It's not fair. If anything, Murdoch, uh, his eyelashes got longer. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. (laughs) It's still not fair. (laughs) But anyhow. And then we have my brother sending me texts about this the season that we just started watching, the season finales. Because in Canada, you got to get your shows done now because hockey playoffs are coming. Right. Because you got to get your shows done. But he has access to episodes we can't see yet. Yeah. I'm like, shut up, Dave. Don't tell us anything. I know you're listening. (laughs) Speaking of listening. If you let your kids go to the theater and see bodies fall from the (laughs) ceiling. (laughs) They can handle this episode of Murdoch and this podcast. Yes. Something that we keep forgetting to mention. For new listeners. We know that there's some folks who started listening when we started covering Murdoch. And you may not know. After the music at the end of the episode. So we do two things. Before the episode starts, we usually have some funny, out of context, usually sound. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the theme, the theme music, music plays, and then we introduce the episode like we have right now. But then after the theme music plays at the end of the episode, when we say, bye, 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 right? 
After that, you always put in some funny outtake at the very end of the episode. At the very end, I put some funny out. Sometimes it's two seconds. Yeah. But sometimes it's much longer. And I always just think if you're a listener, like I'm a listener to podcasts, there are some where I kind of know when they're starting to wrap up and they're going to just talk about Patreon or something or other. And I just stop the podcast and go on to something else. And I... I, there was one in particular I realized I missed a bunch of funny stuff at the end of the episode every time. Yeah. But I didn't even know that until I just happened to have my hands full and not be able to just skip. And so I didn't didn't stop it and I heard it. And I'm, oh, yeah. my gosh, I have to go back now yeah. and listen to the end of all these episodes because it's so funny. I don't know if ours are always so funny, but you do a pretty good job and of finding something good. And we've also had listeners occasionally ask us if we have outtakes. I have hours of outtakes so many for this show because if it's anything longer than half a second i save it in an outtake file usually oh that's good to know and it's not a mouth noise i try to get rid of as much (laughs) mouth noise as possible because i don't want to hear it i don't think i ever want to hear this outtake file no no (laughs) it would be embarrassing i think oh it'd be all it'd be you and me just being stupid about stuff. Well, and it's all out of context and all out of order, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's all those times when we're like, "Wait a minute, okay, that sounded really dumb. We got to scrap all of that. Let's start that over again and not be stupid about it." Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do have an, uh, a dream that there is a child with an audio project this summer where I give them access to all the outtake files and say, "Make us a crazy episode." Mm. <laughs> That would be funny. Speaking of funny. Yes. Body double. Body double. I love this episode. It's funny. This is, this, this is the first Murdoch episode. You keep saying that. And it, we, this is quintessential Murdoch. This is, this is funny and silly and over the top and crazy and yet serious and goofy and fun and all that, all those things. Like the dentist part. It's yes. just perfect. Well, let's get into it. Okay. So this was the original air date of this show is the 2nd of March, 2008. Back in the old days. Back in the old days. Uh, Directed by Sean Thompson and written by R.B. Carney. This episode has a really small cast. It does. Other than the regulars, there's really only five people. I'm going to say... I know you think I say this about every episode, but this is tight this episode. Oh yeah, it moves. Like, it hustles along. Yeah. The only thing that sort of drags a little bit is Bracken Reed being all sweet on Stella. Like, yeah. Okay, we know you like her. Okay, yes. come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Can somebody else die already or something? One of my complaints about Murdoch, because I'm a Midsummer fan, is the body count is just too low sometimes. It gets better later on. They kill more people later. <laughs> But in this first season, they kind of limit it to one person an episode in most cases. Come on, kill some more people. We need more bodies. How can we do best corpse if there's only one corpse? Come on. Oh. This time we do have two. Yes, we do. Yes, yes we, do. we do. We don't know that we have two right off the bat. No, we don't. But we find out we yes, have two. Yes, we do. We do. But first, the kinetoscope. Yes. Okay, so. You're going to nerd out on us, aren't I'm you? I'm going to nerd out on you. There's no way that. Murdoch could have had this. My my only thought is that since he has connections to Edison, that maybe he was able to borrow one. Because, I don't think he has those connections yet. Well, we've already had Tesla. We had right? Tesla. So, but this the kinetoscope in the in the eighteen ninety five money would have cost him over a year's salary. 
Oh, if way, he bought it, way more than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there, there were uh, kinetoscopes in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York City at this point. That's it, basically. Yeah, like the closest one would have been New York City, and they're watching the sneeze, <laughs> which is an 1894 short film. Five seconds. It's five seconds. Yeah. It's not 10 seconds. It's only five seconds. It's it's very short. Of a man sneezing. William Dixon, who was a British guy, who was really the engineer that helped uh, Edison build the camera, uh, filmed this. And the guy's name was Fred Ott. And he uses some snuff. And Fred Ott is the sneezer? Yes, Fred Ott. Is this his only role? No, he's he's in... Is he a vaudeville guy? No, no. He was a guy who worked at the factory. Oh. Edison's factory. But he could sneeze. He could sneeze. He's in another one where he, I think he puts on a coat or something. <laughs> it's very short at this it's point. It's so exciting. Yes. This is the oldest surviving motion picture without a copyright. Wow. Which is why I'm surprised they don't show it. They shoot. They show some of it. They, they show. show more of it than they would anything else yeah. if it was copyrighted. Yeah. Uh, so I went looking. First of all, I went looking to see how much it would have cost if he'd purchased one mm-hmm. and found out how expensive it was. Um, but in the same ads where I found the cost, I also found a list of the um, Edison Company films that were going to be released soon. So there's about 60 of these films that Edison put in kinetoscopes that involve everything from people walking to um, there's a troupe of indigenous Americans doing what's called a ghost dance, which Mm -hmm. is striking to see. So those are more documentary style. Yes. These are more fiction. Yes. The list that I found. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole fact that he stole this entire idea and everything here from the Lumiere brothers. We're skipping over that. Okay. We'll we'll get to that if we do other seasons of Murdoch. Yes, we will. Yeah. So on the list that I found, I just want to give you a couple highlights. Okay. There's one called The Artist and the Brain Specialist. Ooh. I read the synopsis of this because it's on IMDb, the synopsis. It's quite complicated. They do a lot with very little time. It's only a thousand feet long. Yeah. Because that's how they list it. Yeah. Despite how many feet the movie is, so not how long. 24 frames per second on this would be 16 millimeter film, I think. So 24 frames a second. Yeah. How many frames a foot? I don't know. Okay. It's got metric and We're not going to try to do the nine. math. Anyway, so there's the Sunset Gun. Oh. Mm, yes. Definitely a Western. Yeah. A Western Prince Charming. Ooh. That's comedy drama. Fancy gentleman. But the one I'm most curious about and couldn't yes. find anything about is called Jim's Wife. Jim's Wife. Yes. <laughs> it's a thousand feet and it's drama. Jim's, I do, I Jim's Wife. I don't know what those. So these are all. She must be notorious. Yes. <laughs> so these are also all filmed in this weird, interesting thing called the Black Mariah. So in West Wait a minute, Orange, that's what they called old. Uh, Police wagons. Yes. So in West Orange, where Edison had his factory, mm-hmm. he had this thing called the Black Mariah, which was partially a police wagon, partially a railway, partially... It's really the first movie studio. It is a long rectangular building that is on a pivot at one end, and at the other end are the rails and the wheels from a train. So you could turn the building around oh because they had a big window at one end 
because they have no electric light at this point. Right, they need natural light. So they need as much natural light as possible. So they would push it to where the sun... So it's like a giant sundial. It's a kinda. giant sundial. It still exists. It's a national monument. That's amazing. Monument in West Orange. It's right on the main street of West Orange. But you had to push it? You had to actually push it. Could but it go all the way around or was it just 180? It, it was like 350. The track wasn't connected at at one end. Oh, well, that's so you no could, fun. So push it one way. <laughs> and if you wanted to go back the other way, you, you had, had to push, push it all, it all the way Why back. Why didn't they just push the last 10 degrees in? They I didn't have to push it all the way back. I don't know. That's dumb. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that I do want to see. It's, yeah. it's, You'd be able to tell what time it was just by looking where it was. Where the Black Mariah was. <laughs> the first motion picture studio ever made. Was a moving one. Yes. That's it incredible. Moved. It's that is one of the greatest American inventions. Well, of all Bracken time. Reed's not having any of it. He can't believe people are wasting their time watching ten seconds, five seconds of somebody sneezing when they could be going to see Shakespeare. Yes, wearing their cape, white tie, and cane, and top Boy, hat. Boy, is he a fancy man! He is. I don't know why Margaret's not going with him. Maybe she know. just doesn't like Shakespeare or something. Maybe they can't get a babysitter. But he certainly has an opera outfit. And he has quite the opera glasses, too. Theater outfit. Woo-hoo. It's quite the cape. They go through. The first part is they're doing a scene and something drips on the actor's face. Before he even gets in there, first of all, they have that horrible illustration of the front of the opera theater Sword that he up. walks up to. <laughs> I don't know why they even do. Don't even include it. Yeah. We can see he's in the theater when he's in the lobby and everybody's dressed up. You don't need yeah. that outside scene where it's, it's a, like, oh, look, I'm on a picture. I'm walking. Oh, Just and skip it. If there wasn't a dozen really gorgeous theaters in Toronto that they that, could have filmed in that front that they of. could have filmed in front of. Yeah. Instead, they've got miniature Brackenreed walking in front of an old colorized photo. Do, do, do. <laughs> Looking up at the lights. Wow. Look at those lights. Yes. So the water. <laughs> it's not water. <laughs> well, no, there is it, a water leak. Yes. And there's a body, body leak. leak. There's <laughs> ectoplasmic goo. Ew. Um, he needs to look at the camera and go, he slimed me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's one thing if you think rainwater is dripping in your eye, but if you think it's body water, that's completely different. Oh, how how many times would you have to shower? <laughs> I think I'd have to bleach my eyeball. <laughs> and God forbid it dripped down your face into your mouth or something. Oh! Like, well, and rainwater filtering through the roof and the attic no. and the gantries and Damn. everything else would not be good either. No. But it would be better than body water. <laughs> but yeah, Arthur's trying to deliver his lines as Macbeth, and it's like ploink right ploink. in his face. Ploink. And ploink. for us who knows what it is, it's like, like oh. <laughs> you know what they call it? What? Icker. Icker. It's icker. It's ick. That's, That's the sure. liquid from a body. It's yeah. Icker. Yuck. So then during the Lady Macbeth big scene, the body falls. Kablunk. One of the reasons why this is a great episode is now Bracken Reed has to do the thing he has to do. And he's like, oh. Of course, there's a crime here because I'm enjoying myself. It's very much a Barnaby moment, like Busman's holiday every yep. single day. Every single but day. But he gets to whip out the Bracken Reed cop voice. Yep. 
Nobody move! Nobody move! It's very much a soccer ref voice or yes. something. And I don't know. In my notes, I have, this is a pretty good dead body. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good skeleton wrapped in some old clothes. Yep. It's corpsified very well. Yes. Uh, most people thought it was part of the play. No, they didn't. No. No. <laughs> no. No, I mean, how dumb do you have to be? You don't even have to know Macbeth to know that when the act, the main actress screams and faints, that that's not part of the no. show. Though if they were smart, they would have worked it in, you know, like. But yeah, close the curtains very slowly. <laughs> I was looking into other strange interruptions to theater performances. Oh. Most of the time nowadays, it's phones. Yeah. Actors are constantly irritated by phones. If it happens once, they kind of tolerate it. But I read stories of like the same the same person's phone going off like six times. Oh, and sometimes the actors are just like enough, and they walk off stage. Yeah, turn your phone off if I, you go to see something. I read a story of a woman um, on stage realizing there was a mouse in her gown Ooh. that was running around Woo-hoo. inside of her inside of her big crinoline, and that was wow. kind of freaky. Yeah. She kept it together. Yes. She kept it together. That's that's acting. Yes. Have you ever actually performed on stage? Many, many, many times. No, yes. Uh, in in a play. Have you done plays? No. I know you sang in... in uh, show choir. Show choir. <laughs> but it, I've been on stage a lot. But, but you've not never in performed a, a role. But not as an actor. I've only done it once. And I, and I played death at a party. And I thought, oh, that's the pinnacle of what I need to do. <laughs> Were you dressed up like the Grim Reaper? Yes, I was. Oh. I played air guitar on my sickle. <laughs> nice. Yeah, sounds classy. It was a funny play. Okay. So that's. I'm glad it was funny. Yes. Because if it had been serious and you did that, you probably ruined it. <laughs> I was a minor, minor bit character as death. <laughs> so they're it, doing Macbeth. The investigation boys gets here and Bracken Reed does this weird, he has no penis. So how do you know he's a man? <laughs> Well, first of all, he's got trousers on. Well, that's so. what Bracken Reed says. It must yeah. be a man. Look, he's got pants on. Yeah. And Julia is smart enough to know that, number one, you're in a theater. People wear costumes. So sometimes they wear things they wouldn't normally wear. And yes. number two, ladies have legs and pants can go on them. Yes. But then she, without gloves, because she never has gloves because of the time, the 1890s, they didn't have them yet. No. Nope. Ew. She just like, well, I'll Pokes check. Pokes around in the icor. And just shoves her hand into a corpse crotch <laughs> to see what's in there. Hand in corpse crotch. She says, well, look at the hip bones. Yeah. The pelvis. She can tell from the pelvis. The pelvic but girdle. I'm sorry. The pelvic girdle has a whole bunch of old skin mummified on it mm. and nasty clothes. She's really just reaching for corpse crotch. Yeah, I think so. I think the lights that they use to go investigate the theater are pretty nice. Yeah. The lanterns Those that they carry. Then <laughs> They totally almost drop crap on, on Julia. Would you not be terrified up there knowing the floor has rotted oh out in at least God. one spot? <laughs> in my notes, I would not go in that room. I think I I might if I was in their place, but I would be walking very gingerly. The light would be on the floor at all times. I would be like poking ahead of me with a stick. Murdoch practically stands over the place where the water is leaking, yeah. where it's clearly rotted out and he can see the stage under him. You're going to die, dude. Yeah. And then they practically stand on where the body fell through too. Because- and then almost drop stuff on Julia and they're like, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 
I think it's nice that Bracken Reed just happens to find an axe two feet away from where he's <laughs> sitting that he can pry the floorboards up with. Yep. And uh, the maid's day off. That's a great joke. Yeah. it's. Have you ever been up in the like the gantries of a theater? Oh, yeah. I, I won't. I wouldn't I wouldn't go up into the lighting gantry because that's death. Thank yep. you. The catwalks and stuff. Yep. But I would probably go up in this space because it's actually like a room with the floor and walls and mm. stuff. As long as I could not see through the boards to see how high up I was. Oh, oh no. There'd be, there, it wouldn't be I-Core dripping down. It'd be bleh <laughs> if I looked down. So they're doing Macbeth and Bracken Reed is immediately uptight about not saying Macbeth. Yes. Right? You have to say the Scottish play. So that is a theaterism, not a play, not the text-ism, right? Because um, Murdoch has been educated on Shakespeare by the Jesuits, but the Jesuits wouldn't have told them about theater tradition. So this works that... that Murdoch's not theater people. He's not theater. So oh he doesn't gosh. know about that superstition. Yes. And, and all, it gives a great sort of... I don't like any superstitions, except for the religious ones, I believe in. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. There's not really an agreed upon origin for that, uh, yeah. for where that superstition comes from. There's a lot of sort of anecdotal, and then something really horrible happened, and they happened to be performing Macbeth, including like Sir Lawrence Olivier and all kinds of famous people who probably performed Macbeth hundreds of times in their career, and one time something bad happened. Yeah. So... You know, now it's come down as a story. But most recently, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Chris Rock congratulated Denzel Washington on his performance and said Macbeth. And then a few minutes later, he got slapped. So it's the curse is alive. Bam. (laughs) Make that connection. Costumes and props may not be removed on authority of the master of props. Master of props. Master of props. (laughs) Master of Props is pulling your props. Vagrant sleep up <laughs> Little there. Little Metallica slip there. Oh my no, gosh. No vagrants sleep up there. Vagrants get, especially in this first season, they're like, oh, it was a vagrant. <laughs> yeah, that's, they they cause everything. It's yeah. them. It's their, their fault. Do well, you know about other superstitions of the theater? Do you know of any other ones? Not any off the top of my head. There's so many. Yeah, there is so many. Obviously, because in my it, limited theatrical performance, it's such a high stress environment, tension filled environment. You know, well, it's live. It's a live yeah. thing. So they have a lot of superstitions. Yeah. It used to be that it was bad luck to wear blue on stage, but that was just because blue was the most expensive fabric dye, and yeah. basically the people paying for stuff didn't want to buy blue fabric, so they said it was bad luck to wear blue. And I know so much of the traditions and language come out of that sort of early. 20th century Gilbert and Sullivan kind of time period. Yeah. I mean, some of them go much further back than that, but a lot of them originate in that time period, like the vaudevillian kind of theater. Like, do you know why it's bad luck to have a mirror on stage? No. Well, other than you could see something that you're not supposed to see. What do you mean? Like, you could see the audience, for instance. Oh, like it might reflect yeah. something. That That's kind of it. The In reality, it's because it causes lighting issues and it could blind a performer if the like a spotlight hit it. Yeah. It could blind them and then they could fall off the stage or something. Now, at this point in time, all the lights are probably uh, candles or gas. You think that, but when they show the footlights in front of the stage when Murdoch is kind of doing the denouement at the end, yeah. they're bulbs. They're bulbs? Yeah. Wow, it's this bulbs must down be there. Expensive theater. Do you know why it's bad luck to whistle backstage? No. 
because the riggers used to use whistles as cues. Oh. So if you whistle and they mistake it for a cue, they might drop a piece of scenery on somebody or something. And things like that on you. Yeah. Yeah. Murdoch makes an age joke here. Yeah. When was that performance? 20, 30 years ago? I don't know who looks more offended. Stella Smart, who's not smart, or Brackenreed. Oh, we'll get to how dumb these people are. First of all, they're all dumb because they can't hire more performers. There's 20 roles in Macbeth and there's four of them. They're working hard. Like how many costume changes do they have? So Julia figures out with the help of Murdoch that it's murder because the, well, he finds clear stab wounds in the coat, which which he stuffs in his face. (laughs) Would that not reek of Icor? Let's talk about the sink. Okay. Okay. This body's been up there for years. Yeah. There would have been quite a period of time where it would have smelled really, really, really bad. bad. Way worse than it smells now. This is now. the stupidest place to put a body. What did they think or pretend to think the smell was? Why would anybody have come to that theater and to see a performance? It stink. It would have smelled so bad. <sighs> we'll come back to why it's dumb that they put the body there. Yes. But yeah, it would have smelled really bad. I don't know how bad it would have smelled in the jacket by this time, but it's not something I would want to put near my face. And then Murdoch's like, oh, you're making skeleton soup. It's stinky. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh la la. And meanwhile, Julia's making all the best more jokes ever. (laughs) She's fantastic. She, I love how she completely doesn't care about him and his... Sensitivities. Sensitivities at all. So there's Stella Smart, who owns the theater. Yep. That was actually the property of her dead husband, Virgil. Mm-hmm. Her now husband, Arthur Wellesley. Mm-hmm. Then there's the young couple, Ellen Granger and David Martin. Yes. Right? So there's four actors. That's it. That's it. And they're four suspects. That's it. And it's like, well, we don't know what happened to them. Well, there's only four of you. You should have figured it out. Oh, it's probably a vagrant who just died up there, and we never noticed the incredible stink or yeah. dripping icor oozing stuff. Vagrants just wander in and out all the time, and, and they we don't s- have they them. smell bad anyway. Yeah. So you know, they find the newspaper page in the so jacket pocket. Murdoch finds a clue, a clue, which is an old newspaper print, but he can't read it. Well, he, he can't can make out all the letters. He can make out part of it, so. Sick C dash dash L D dash dash N O dash dash N dash. And you get one of those great comedic moments where George is like, this would make cauldron orange. This would make quite the game. It could be, it could be sick cauldron ozone. Yes. Or sick children opine. Oh, (laughs) opine. Opine. Um, Or sick children owing. They're, they got that's, debts, that's those sick only, kids. It's only in America. Only in America do sick kids yeah. owe money, yeah. So they find the newspaper. Well, okay, so it's six, six, sick children's hospital. Yes. Is what it is. Sick children opens. Yes. So a couple of things here. One, George says this would make a great game. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no hangman game at this point in time. Oh, it's not invented yet? Uh, there's a common game that 
uses spaces and letters, but it's not Hangman. If you're not I'm, familiar with Hangman, some people might not be. I hope they are, because now I never want to look at Hangman stuff again. When you play Hangman, it's a game that kids play sometimes. Yep. It's on a piece of paper. You draw a little gallows, and then you make da- dashes for missing letters to spell out a phrase or a word. And somebody guesses a letter. And if it's in the phrase, it's kind of like Wheel of Fortune. Yes. If it's in well, the phrase, you put the letter in. If that letter doesn't appear in the phrase, you draw like a head hanging from the noose. Yes. Merv Griffin has referred to it in Wheel of Fortune. Yes. So, so you get a head, a body, a leg, a leg, an arm, an arm. So you get mm, six guesses that are incorrect before you lose. Yeah, so I did a little bit of a search into this, and uh, it's always been kind of dark. I think, like that, you're drawing a body hanging. It's it's dark, but then oh, uh, it gets real dark because uh, the version that incorporated the hanging imagery was described in the 1902 Philadelphia Inquirer article, which stated a popular white. Cap party hosted by vigilant committees were... uh, Vigilante? Yes. Vigilance committees. Vigilance committees. Where guests wore white peaked caps with masks. Subtle. I hope they were KKK and not not confused about what that outfit was for. (laughs) What do you mean? This is where we wear to all of our parties. We're not bad people. What are you talking about? Yeah, like... First of all, so it's a KKK game. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we should let it go there. Yeah. Oof. It's, it's. Don't play that game yeah, anymore. Don't play. Just play Wheel of Fortune don't instead. Don't play Hangman. It's it's Oof. not what you think it is. It's not the fun gallows humor game that you think it is. No. So then they find the newspaper, and it's Sick Children's Hospital. It's Sick Children. Sick Children, children opens hospital. Sick Children's Hospital opens. No, it's oh. Sick Children opens. Oh, Sick Children Hospital o- for Hospital for Sick children, children opens. Okay. So this is the Victoria <laughs> Sick Children's Hospital. Is this what we call Sick Kids now? No, in Toronto, uh, no. sort of. It's the original home of it. It it's becomes an incredibly gorgeous building. Uh, it was built in. A few years earlier, 1889, I think, is the exact year it was built. Uh, it's now a blood services building. It is at, located at College and Elizabeth. It's gorgeous. It, it's red sandstone. Oh, it's pretty. It's absolutely, I remember going by there all the time, remarking, especially in the doorway, which is a big arch. There's these uh, designs that are really cool to look at. Are they? Sick- Sick Kids, the Toronto Hospital for Sick Children, is further down Elizabeth now, which has all the famous people well, supporting it. Well, yeah, it's super it. modern and everything, yeah. yeah. That's further down. Ryan da- Reynolds and but, people. But it's near it. there, but it's it's further down Elizabeth Street. The little decorative things in the building aren't sick kids, right? No, no, they're angels. Oh. No, but, but like adult angels. Like we're helping sick kids. Okay, I so. guess. Hmm. I don't so want the, images of death associated with a hospital yes. of any kind. <laughs> On the newspaper, <laughs> anyway. they find are some weird stories. Okay, I didn't look closely at this newspaper. It's been my job the last yes. few episodes. Is the Russian Ripper mentioned anywhere? On the back of the page. Uh, of course. Is, because uh, two more, an agent and a gardener arrested for bribery. I couldn't find any in the boodle investigation. I couldn't find anything. And then the other story, 
Dr. A. Johnson declares the fall would not cause these fractures. The weight would have crushed Wells or cut part of his head off. I don't know. I want to know what that was. And then on the back, there's a big storm in May 1892, which I couldn't find a reference to at all. And a building boom. And in the building boom story, there's stuff about the Russian Ripper. (laughs) (laughs) So the Russian Ripper wanted to buy the theater. Maybe. So the bad guys... That they claim came and maybe killed Virgil were the Russian Ripper and his homies? Yes. Ah, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Now, now the pieces come together. Speaking of pieces, <laughs> Julia has found some dentures. Wow, they're bad dentures. They're, they're so they look like those those like fake false teeth you get at the Halloween store. <laughs> and then we have one of those great moments where this guy just shows up out of nowhere and eats the scenery. Before you get there, did you notice what Julia is using to hold the skull when she gets it out of the pot? Uh, They're like forcep things. They're specific kind of forceps. What are they? They're baby forceps. Oh, okay. Those horrible devices that they used to use to grab a baby's skull and pull it out of the mother that caused all the damage to people. I can remember hearing about those as a kid and going, oh my gosh. What do you mean you grab the baby by its head and pull? With metal... They're curved. Tongs. Basically, yeah, they look like big salad tongs. Actually, I think our salad tongs would be better because our salad tongs look like hands on sticks. I think they would be better. But yeah, she lifts it out with these big b- baby tongs. And she's like, oh, alas, poor York. I knew him well. <laughs> More humor. <laughs> and Murdoch's like, I don't get it. Yep. Because <laughs> it's, no it's stinky in here. It's stinky in here. Just wait. Isn't it probably always stinky in there? I yep. mean, few bodies are fresh. Yes. And they don't stay fresh long. You should expect that. So we go to the dentist's office, which is full of blood and scream. <laughs> It just makes me think of Poirot going to the dentist. They've been known to run. Yeah. Well, and the dentist has to drill with one hand because he's pedaling the thing, right? The drill. So he's got to keep one hand on the back of the chair to steady himself while he pedals. And then he's got the drill in the guy's face. Like, you'd think your hand would jiggle around. Gosh, I'm glad to have been born when I was born. Yes. Give me the numbing stuff. Give me the nitrous. Wake me up when it's over. An artist always knows his work. (laughs) And then we're cut to the most typical Toronto cabbage town house ever. The outside of it is just so very typical Canada. Oh, is it? Yeah. The smart house? Yeah, I've been... I used to live in Cabbage Town, so I used to walk by those houses. It's all gorgeous the time. on the it's inside, gorgeous. the yeah. woodwork and everything. Yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful. It reminds me of like a row house in like New York. Do you like, remember this day? No. You should. It's the day your husband died. Oh, oh so traumatic. Oh. Oh, and then she passes yes. out again. She's already <laughs> laying down. Thanks. Stella. She's not a good actress, Mm-mm. but Kate Trotter, who plays Stella, is a very good actress because she can act at being a bad actress, which yes. just can't be easy to do. It was a closed casket. There wasn't even a wake. Well, guess what? It was Virgil in the rafters. It well, was your husband in the rafters. He was having shady sorts come in. The Russian Ripper kept coming <laughs> by. Apparently. You will sell me off theater. That was the worst Russian accent ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then... You don't know who's buried in Virgil's grave. 
Yes. So they dig up Virgil's grave and they find another body. <laughs> and Julia's like, it's so hard to get a good skeleton. Now I have two. <laughs> <laughs> what a good week this is. And they've, so now they've got two stinky bodies. Yes. And she says that both skulls have this distinctive elongated frontal lobe. Yeah. Doesn't that sound painful? No, it just means that the front slope of their forehead is a little bit longer and they probably had a more masculine brow. No, okay. But it's to the scale that these two bodies both have it, she says, is rare. So I remember thinking the first time I saw it, I was like, ooh, was Eddie Virgil's son? Is that what this is all about? Yeah. You know, they had to, they killed Virgil to get the theater and they had to kill Eddie too because Eddie was his son and would have secretly inherited the theater. No, it's complete red herring. It doesn't yeah. matter at all, it, except they looked sort of the same, yeah. but it doesn't even matter because Eddie was face down on the desk and they knew exactly who it was because they killed him. Yes. I'm a policeman, an inspector. What books do I have in my office? Macbeth. You have Macbeth, okay. Shakespeare. I'm not sure why, but okay. What be- else? Be- because he also has a wardrobe full of clean clothes in his office. He has all kinds of things in his office. He does. Did you notice any other books? No. Okay. But I'm sure you did. Oh, yes. He has two H.G. Wells books. Nice. He has the war He borrowed those from Crabtree, I'm sure. And he has... Uh, the Food of Gods, two very strange Oh yeah, H.G. Yeah. Wells books and a book of poems, just in case, you know, after beating a suspect, you need to read some poetry while you sip your whiskey. Well, he is educated. He is, yes. Right. And if he's not that well educated, he would like people to think he is. I would agree with that. Plus, he has the I'm posh card because I'm from Britain, mm-hmm. which is still today. Like, there is never more a posh British person than a British person who goes to a colony. Oh, so as soon as you step foot in Canada, you're fancy because oh, you're British? you're fancy because you're British. Okay. It is, it is. I don't know if Americans feel that way. We might feel that way about their TV, their media, but I don't know if we feel that way about their people. My friend Phil, who was British, who lived in Canada, who played drums in my band, uh, would remark about it all to- all the time because Phil was not fancy. <laughs> but people treated him but like he was. people treated him. As soon as they heard his accent, they would treat him as if he was fancy. Oh, yep. Talk to me. Yep. I like your accent. It was just nuts. So they question the actors. Yes. And, and they, they all tell exactly ex- the same story. And that is such good editing because- It's a good, you, there's lots of good montages in this episode. You, you reach the same conclusion that Murdoch reaches at the same time. Yeah. And you're given all the same evidence. But but it's another stupid point for these people. Oh, these people are so stupid. They hide the body in the worst place they could have. Yeah. Then they rehearse their story. And because they're actors, they yeah. memorize it. They memorize And deliver story. it verbatim. Stupid. Stella Smart's crew, crew is stupid. Yes, absolutely. And then Brackenreed tells this story about being hurt as a boy, breaks his leg as a boy. And there's a, he remembers the doctor's office smelling of tobacco and peppermint. Don't, don't you remember smells oh, yeah. like that? Definitely. But yeah. that, that's like, that's good writing there. It is good writing. And then there's a montage of outside stuff and a guy in a boater hat wanders around with a cane. Because, <laughs> you know, you need transitions. Yes. Meanwhile, the constables have found this new crazy thing called Shakespeare. Yeah, they're all reading up as if they need to know it for the case. Yeah. They seem to have some downtime. They do. 
Now, at first I was like, wait a minute, wouldn't they be somewhat familiar with Shakespeare, even if it was just from the popular culture kind? I would think so. I think they would be sort of familiar with like maybe Romeo and Juliet. Maybe, you know, like one of them, but they might have never actually read yes. Macbeth. I think yes. there's a lot of people who've probably never actually read it. Yeah. And the language is really beginning to get difficult at this point in time. Yeah. I, I would have thought it would be just as difficult for them as it was yes, for us. would be for us. Well, Dr. Watkins, who we, originally diagnosed the body. Had a knack for misdiagnosis. <laughs> That's the nicest way of saying that he was no good at his job. <laughs> if he'd been stabbed, he probably would have picked up on that. But he can't tell the difference between being strangled and heart failure. Yes. There's a big difference there. There is. Mostly the marks on the neck. But luckily, Murdoch has a plan. And he has another thing. Do you know what else he has? He invents facial reconstruction. Yes, because he has clay in his arts and craft hutch. Yes. <laughs> Which is also where he kept the liver covered in bugs. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what other things he has in his arts and craft hutch. Glitter. Maybe. <laughs> glue sticks. Elmer's glue sticks. Yeah. Well, it'd be like horse glue. Macaroni. <laughs> Macaroni. Yeah. Paint. Paint. We know he has paint. Safety scissors. <laughs> Definitely safety. Pom-poms. Pom-poms. Or, or a cotton balls. Yes. Cotton balls of, can be used for all kinds all of things. All of those things. I just think it's incredibly convenient that Julia happens to be a wonderful sculptress. And has the time to do well, she's in a montage, Mark. Everybody has time in a this, montage. This takes a normal person who's doing this today professionally weeks, weeks. weeks to yes. do. And she just whips it together in the afternoon. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have just thought I could get through this, whatever it is, if I could just have a montage. Yes. You know? <laughs> It's going to happen. This thing is going to happen. It's going to take way longer than I want it to, but I'm going to have to endure it. Can I just have a montage <laughs> and just get through it? Yeah. So she, what she would have had to have done using the book that he's given her, which did exist, yep. that book is real, yep. right? Is she would have had to make a rope of clay that was uniform in width, okay? And then meticulously measured the lengths of little pieces that she was slicing off of it and then adhering to the skull, the skull in exactly the right places without deforming them. This is very hard to do. I can only imagine. This is why people who do this now use a polymer clay to do that. And they use a 3D scan of the skull, not the original. Yes. All right. <laughs> I did notice that too. And then... And they have those little plugs to give you the depth they have pre-made plugs of yeah. certain depths, yeah. yes. So they don't have to do that. But she would have had to have done that. She would have had to do it she all. She would have used calipers to measure yeah. the length of each of those. But then you do have to do what she does. You have to recreate the musculature, and then you have to roll clay out into sheets that are certain thicknesses for certain parts of the face. So they... Yeah. They replicate the thickness of the skin and the fat on that area of the face. Well, luckily, he has a rolling pin in his arts and craft touch, too. <laughs> it just so happens that the end result of this looks a lot like what a clay cast of a face casting would look like. What do you know? What do you know? So some poor person, maybe the actor who plays Eddie in the photograph. Maybe. Had to have a silicone mold, mold of their face made. Do you think it's weird that when Julia brings it into Murdoch's office, they have it covered with the cloth and we don't get to see it? Yeah. I was like. That was kind of sus. I'm the, like, 
What, is there not a face under there? Like, could they not pull it off? Or yeah, I is would, it a mannequin? Or I think was they, it not ready yet I think when they, they needed were to shoot this? To do suspense and it becomes sus. It, it's not suspenseful no. because we wouldn't recognize it anyway. No, we wouldn't. Right? If they whipped the cloth off and it was Bracken Reed, <laughs> you know, or, mugger. It looks just like Murdoch. Oh my gosh. Murdoch, it's you dead. Whoa, you know, that would be different. But since we're not going to recognize it anyway, it doesn't matter what it looks like. But I don't think it looks like Eddie in the photograph. I've got an image here in my notes of the two side by side. And I even drew a mustache and eyebrows on the screenshot of the... Of the clay face, and it still doesn't really look <laughs> still like him. Still doesn't look like him. No, I don't. I don't think it does. But Eddie was cut from the cast a few days before Virgil died. Yes. So we're supposed to think, oh, well, Eddie was distraught and probably violent. Yes. So he he killed Virgil and then p- killed himself and put himself in a locked room. So Murdoch goes <laughs> to the theater with George to do actual detective work here, mm-hmm. and. I like how George isn't just stupid here. George is like actually thinking out loud with Murdoch. Yeah. And they find the hidden room. They find the hidden room. In Virgil's office. And I begin the screaming at this point in time. Why? Because this is the stupidest group of people ever. (laughs) Okay. Do they get another stupid point? Follow me. Okay. They all know where the room is. Mm -hmm. They all know how to get into the room. Mm Mm-hmm. Yet, in three years, they have not cleaned up the room. They haven't removed the evidence. Why would you just leave the evidence lying there? There's blood stains. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if it were us, we would have renovated that room. Yes. Like, it would be... A parlor now. Like, you should open it up and it's a tea room. Yeah. Like, surprise Instead restaurant. Instead of the den of iniquity. <laughs> oh, leave that picture of the naked woman above the broken glass and the blood, blood. stain. Yeah. So I just couldn't go in there. Why not? Um, You'd rather go to prison? Then, and, and you brought this up. Okay. So where in the theater could we have hid the body in a, that would have been more stupid? Yeah, right above the stage. Is such a stupid place to put it. They could have put them in the ticket booth. That would have been dumber. Yes. I mean, never mind the fact that there's probably ample room under the stage. Yes. Because almost every theater like this would have had a trap door in the stage where they would have brought props up and down. So there would have been all kinds of storage and spaces under the stage. Not even that. Put them in the orchestra pit. Third trombone. (laughs) That guy sure is quiet. He's skinny. Don't you think he's skinny? He never goes home. He never goes home. And that guy in the the, uh, box, that's really a fancy man. You mean the mysterious man in box five? Yes. He's getting thinner too, I think. Yes, I think He kind of smells for a rich guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he never goes home. And that guy in the third bathroom stall, oh, he smells bad. All of these things are almost better. (laughs) If only they had a room that no one knew about that they could hide the body in. Mm. (laughs) This room is the perfect place for them to hide the body. Nobody ever would have found it. Nobody would have ever found it, and they would have gotten away with it. Absolutely. And they could have cleaned it up. At any time they wanted to. Anytime. They could have cleaned it up. They could have buried the body in the basement. So. Anytime. We're going to bring you 
value on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> we're going to point the out value stupid that to we're going to bring you bring to you is that if you have a love den and there's a murder in it, <laughs> you should clean it up, clean it up, clean it up. I got it. <laughs> Total side note here, guys. So yesterday I make Mark go to the hardware store with me because I needed to buy something kind of heavy. And first of all, I sweet talked him into going by saying, it'll be fun. Let's go together. It'll be a great time. Come on. It'll be a little adventure. We can go to the hardware store. That's basically across the street. Yes. Because I knew I was buying something really, really heavy. He would have come anyway. Yes. But while we're there and we're paying, somebody, a woman comes in and says that she needs to buy some lye. And so the people working at the hardware store, and this is a little hardware store. This isn't like Lowe's. Yeah. The people working there are talking about the fact that they keep the lie behind the counter and that if you handle it to give it to a customer, you have to go wash your hands immediately. And Mark and I, of course, immediately make eye contact. We're like, does she have a body? She has a body. <laughs> she needs to get rid of it. She needs to get rid of the body. And Mark starts choking about it in the parking lot. He's carrying this incredibly heavy thing that I had to buy and plonking it in the back of the car and talking about how that woman has taken her husband out and needs to hide the body, dissolve the body, because we watch too many crime shows. And then I notice that she's right next to us getting into her car and giving him the dirtiest look I have ever seen. And I, I was completely oblivious and, to this. Well, because you were focused on carrying the incredibly heavy thing. And I don't know if that look was, how dare you say that about me? That's not funny. Or... Damn it, somebody noticed. I was just going to come over here and buy it. Nobody was going to notice. We're going to watch the newspapers, that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to be looking out for that distinctive car she was driving. Yep. Because if it's pulling up slow in front of our house, she's coming for us. Yes. Because guess what? A lot of people know where we live. Yeah. Because we've been in the newspaper a few times. For good stuff. For good, good stuff. For good stuff. Yeah. But our house has been in the newspaper. So... We ran into somebody walking the other night and we said, oh, we live. And he goes, I know where you live. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even get Halloween house out. Yeah, he I already did. knew. He already knew and where said, he lived. Oh, I know where you live. Yep. Oh, I don't know what that means. Is that good? I don't know. But this is one of the, the side effects of consuming too much murderous yes. media is that it starts to leak into the real world. You know what we need, Sarah? We need a montage of getting fingerprints. Yes. All the ways you can trick people. Give them tea. Hand them a photo of Julia. <laughs> Is this the woman you saw? <laughs> no, but I'm touching it. Touching, Touch, touching, touching, touch. and giving it back. I actually think these people would have been like finger marks. What are you talking about? They're so stupid. Yeah, they're pretty stupid, and I don't know if they were as much in the vernacular. What's a finger? <laughs> I'm an actor. I don't know. I mean, come on. They should be wearing white cotton gloves all the time because they're theater people. Yes. You know, oh, I can't possibly get my hands dirty. They're all in on it. They're all in it. <laughs> The young woman, what's her name again? Ellen. She makes a joke about Eddie's small parts. I'm like, <laughs> you killed him! And now you're making jokes about his parts. <laughs> well, Virgil's couldn't have been too small because Julia found it even after he'd been dead for a while. <laughs> Virgil's big part. Corpse groping. <laughs> Icker groping. <laughs> They're all in this together. Yeah, and, and once it's out... 
Stella is not protecting anybody. No. Do you notice how Arthur is like, she did it. It was her. We had yeah. nothing. I had nothing to do with it. I, yeah. And she's like, yes, you did. You strangled our oh, yeah. Eddie. And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Damn. I guess everybody knows now. All and at no point somebody said, maybe we should clean up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe that's the worst place to put the body. No. Like they could have used it as a prop. That would have been better. Yeah. And so Mur- it could have been York's skull. It would have been better. Murdoch at this point knows. He knows. Well, yeah, he knows before he even invites them to stage this reenactment. So they do a play within the TV show, which is about a play within a play. Yes. It's cute. And Constable Morrison gets to help. And he's fantastic. Well, we see him several more times. Yes. As Constable Morrison in other episodes. Yes. But he also plays Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, he and does? Murdoch. Oh, that's cool. There's a giveaway to you, spoiler, if you've yeah. never seen later seasons. Teddy Roosevelt shows up a couple of times. Yep. So what has happened is the young actress was- Ellen with- was making out with Virgil in his secret love boudoir. In his love room. And Stella found him and stabbed him with a letter opener. Yes. Because she just wasn't herself. And she threw a glass. She threw a glass because she was angry. And then yep. she stabbed him. And then they're like, oh, no, what will we do with his body? I know. Let's put it in the rafters. But wait, we need another body now. Let's strangle this guy who has nothing to do with it. It's so Machiavellian. And put him at the desk. It's so contrived. Yeah, yeah. It would have been easier for them to find another reason why he was stabbed or just hit his body in a better place and pretended he went missing. Okay, let's do this. Okay, they all walk out of the room after he's been stabbed, okay? They all walk out of the room. They shut the door. Mm -hmm. They say to each other, we're going to tell anyone who asks about Virgil that he was last seen leaving with these bad guys. With the the Russian Ripper. With the Russian Ripper or the the loan sharks or whatever. That's the last we saw of him. And we're really worried. That is a more successful plot than what happens. Way better. They don't have to kill Eddie Green and his small parts. Nope. They don't have to do anything else. Nope. Virgil? No, he's gone. I wish I knew where he was. I'm so upset. Pass out. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that's the sound they started the episode. (laughs) So Eddie gets an actual grave with yep. his name on it. And yes. Murdoch pays for the gravestone. Yes. Because he's a good person. Because all Murdoch episodes have to end on a happy note, including Eddie's body. And Julia's <laughs> like, aw. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> aw. When really Eddie's gravestone should have been paid for from Virgil's estate because he was his secret love son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with his frontal lobes. Which is what Stella actually knows, but didn't tell anybody and conveniently had them both killed so that he couldn't inherit the theater. But that doesn't come out in He's the like the most cocked about character who does not appear He's at not all. in it at no. all. Now, those four are going to go to prison. Yep. And they're going to put on the best shows. Yep. Prison plays out the wazoo. Yes. And Stella's going to have to have a little lackey in prison with a big pillow to catch her every time she passes out. Until somebody goes, why didn't you just do, and then they killed them all again. Yes. <laughs> you are the stupidest. They're so stupid. So stupid. I, I only wish Julia was like, why didn't they do this? Yeah. Why didn't they do this? These now, people are stupid. I think Crabtree and Henry should have had a scene where they're like, 
don't you think that was dumb? Like, even Henry knows it's dumb. If Henry knows it's dumb, it's super dumb. They they had no time. But no. it would have been great if they had had a scene with Henry and Crabtree and the skull. Yes. Because that would have been the most Hamlet-y thing ever. Yes, you're right. That would have been really good. So, best corpse. Well. Is it Virgil or Eddie? I, I would say it's Virgil. Because he falls. He falls. And he's got parts. <laughs> like, okay. And a jacket. So, you see the body fall. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bounce, though. They do a really good job. Yeah. Well, I got a body real similar to that in the garage. I can tell you how you drop it. <laughs> Welcome to the Halloween house. Yes. Oh, I know where you live. Oh, for you guys, the new people who are the podcast who haven't listened, uh, we do Halloween. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. I'm already spending like 20 hours a week on Halloween. Yes. Um, It's only March, April, we whatever are it is. The house that everybody mentions in town. Yeah. So, um, so that's Best Corpse. Yes. After the credits. Those four go to prison, yes. put on awesome shows. Yes. But I don't know. Stella might get the noose. She might. Unless she can really put on the works well, we on the stand. Well, we know she doesn't because we know of all the women who died from the noose, remember. That's but, true. If the, it's but, historically accurate, yes, she doesn't yes, get the noose. But I think she and uh, maybe Arthur, both of them got a pretty good chance because they, de- I mean, Arthur especially, he killed somebody in cold blood just to cover up another crime. Yeah. That's pretty hard. Yeah. They're all horrible and stupid. Oh. The judge needs to go, and you're stupid. <laughs> and another 20 years for being so dumb. Keep you dumb people off the if street. only they had a room that was secret that they could hide the body. <laughs> <laughs> but Mark, that was the makeout boudoir. You can't put a body in With there. With naked lady pictures <laughs> in it. <laughs> At what, I, okay, at what <laughs> point in time? Okay, I don't know whether, like, I don't know who's, like, is Virgil so stupid that he's like, hmm, if I put up a picture of a naked lady, I will get naked ladies in here. <laughs> It'll attract. That does not work. <laughs> Pictures of naked ladies don't attract naked ladies. <laughs> they just show up. If I put this big bed with a canopy over it in here, ladies won't know what I'm up to. <laughs> He was a theater producer. You know, they're notoriously kind of. It's just horrible. (laughs) The casting secret room. Yes. If only we had a hidden room where we could put the body. If only. Uh, I have a horrible movie for you. Okay. Just one. Just one. I have to admit, I don't actually know whether this movie is really that horrible. Okay. It might just be super weird. Well, that the likelihood of me seeing it has increased. It's from 2014. Okay. And the guy who plays David Martin, the younger dumb actor yes. in this episode of Murdoch, is in this movie. Okay. His name's David Christo. Okay. And here is the synopsis for you. In a world. <laughs> no. <laughs> in a world where toys are living beings, a forgotten doll seeks out his former owner during the holiday season in Toronto while putting himself at odds with the corrupt factory executive who created him. Dun, dun, dun. This is, sounds like a bad Toy Story ripoff. Is it animated? No. Oh. It's live action, wow. real people. Oh, I have not seen this, but oh, wow, it sounds bad. 
we may have to watch it. Okay. Um, there is a scene in the trailer of the factory where the toys are born. Yes. Where a bunch of men are grabbing cabbages off of a line and pulling them apart to pull a fetus out of each one. What? Because that's how toys are born. What? Like Cabbage Patch Kids. What? I know. <laughs> Is this a Cabbage Patch Kid movie? They're like tiny babies that they pull out of the inside and that's they become dolls. That's not how any of this works. It is called Patch Town. Patch Town. Wow. No. It's five out of ten. Never seen that. Or never seen a trailer. Never seen anything. It is super and weird. And it's set in Toronto. Yes. Uh, is it in Cabbage Town? Maybe. <laughs> it looks kind of Brazil-like. We're sure on like the nose Like this kind there. of future, yeah. dark, weird okay. version of Toronto. I'll watch the trailer and scare myself today. It's on IMDb if, you, if anybody wants to see it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Okay. But they absolutely tear these heads of cabbage apart and pull a tiny baby out of each well, that's one. That's how real b- toys are made. <laughs> They don't have Julius Forceps no. to <laughs> pull the babies out of the heads of cabbage. Next week, April 17th, we will release episode eight, Still Waters. It's rich people, mm-hmm. so Murdoch's already upset. Check. It's uh, sporty people. Check. So Murdoch is already upset. Check. And it's people that Julia knows. So it's the whole Julia society thing. Because Julia's rich. Yes. She comes from a richy rich background. Yeah. Plus Olympics get mentioned. I, one of the, just before we go, one of the things I looked into was break a leg. Yes. You know, cause you're not supposed to say good luck in the theater. Yep. And it's actually a reference to horse racing and okay. horses breaking legs. And so I just, you know, so it's better to say the opposite as kind of a tongue in cheek instead of wishing them good luck. Yes. Goodbye, Captain Ahab. Don't crash your boat. So I started making a list of the things that you would tell certain people if you were telling them the opposite <laughs> of what they should do in order to wish them good luck, like race car drivers, like, I hope you don't crash, yeah. or I hope you crash, yeah. actually. Or swimmers, like, drown! Yay! <laughs> it, it doesn't work. It doesn't make people feel better. No, no. Oh, you're going to perform in the halftime show? I hope your boob falls out. Oh! <laughs> That's an old reference. Yes. yes. Anyhow. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. I have confidence that there will be something actually genuine in the episode to use. There always is. Yeah. It will sound more interesting at double speed. <laughs> <laughs>